All right, thank you for tuning in tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about part two of God's help in our weakness. Last week we began this very brief study, and since so many of you here were not here last week, uh, let me, I'm just going to rehearse a little bit of what we talked about. Uh, but last week we did a study, or began a study, of two key verses in chapter, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is, by many people, called the greatest chapter in the Bible. So I want you to take your Bibles and open to Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, right past the book of Acts. Go to Romans chapter 8. One of the, the great chapters of the Bible, if not the greatest chapter in the Bible. And we're going to focus on two verses in this chapter. And here's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the aspect of prayer. But we're going to be talking specifically about God's help in our weakness. And we're going to be looking at verses 26 and 27. And so I just want to read the text with you and then we're going to get right into the study. Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I think you would agree with me that prayer is a gift and a privilege that God has given us. But if we're honest, there are times when prayer can almost feel impossible as well. It's kind of a strange thing to think about that, yes, we know it's a gift, we know it's a privilege, but there are some times when prayer can almost feel impossible. I mean, have you ever had one of those times where you, you bowed your head and you tried to pray, but no words would come out? I have. So overwhelmed by something that you bow your head, you want to pray, you know you need to pray, but no words will come out. Greg Murdoch told me last week about Dr. David Jeremiah that he was recently done a study on this same text. And so I found it and I listened to it. And uh, he gives the, the example Dr. Jeremiah does that during his cancer ordeal several years ago, they were in the hospital, he and his wife, and he was waiting to go back into surgery for his cancer. And he said that he told his wife, Honey, I know this, this is scary for you. Give me your hand and let's pray. And he said, and I tried to pray, but I couldn't. He said, no words would come out of my mouth. And I thought, this is Dr. David Jeremiah. You know, I mean, this is one of the greatest Bible teachers you could ever listen to. And yet he said, when I was getting ready to go into surgery, and I tried to pray, no words would come out of my mouth. Sometimes you and I just face situations like that in life. Situations that overwhelm us and we can't pray or we don't know what to pray for. And it is precisely at this point that our text becomes so crucial. Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27 is assuring us that when we can't pray, the Holy Spirit of God is praying for us. But what we talked about last week as we began to look at these, these verses is, what does that mean? That the Holy Spirit prays for us. And so here's what I want you to see. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And this is a little bit of a review. This is what we talked about last week. 
that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. But look at the text, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, and we talked about that phrase in the same way last week. I won't go over that again. But in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Now that word helps is a rich word in the, in the uh, Greek language. It pictures someone helping somebody else lift or carry a heavy load. For example, if any of you saw me up here trying to pick this pulpit up and move it off the stage and move it back there somewhere, I could probably at least pick it up, but I couldn't carry it very far for sure. But if you saw me trying to pick up this pulpit all by myself, I guarantee you there'd be one or two people at least who'd run up and say, here preacher, let me help you with that. And that is exactly the word picture here that the Holy Spirit does that for us. Those times when we have a load that's more than we can carry. Those times when we have something that's so heavy we can't bear pick it up or carry it by ourselves. That's when the Holy Spirit comes beside us and, say, and says, let me help you with that. Now, I want to note two things based on this text. Look at it again in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our... What's that next word? Let's focus on that word for a moment. Look, first of all, that all of us are weak, which is why we need to pray. Sometimes a small pronoun in the Bible can make a lot of difference. If you look at verse 26 carefully, Paul did not write, the Spirit also helps you in your weakness. But rather, he said, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Paul did not set himself as above everyone else, on a pedestal who never has a problem and always has spiritual strength. Rather, he included himself as someone who is weak. And you would probably agree with me, we all from time to time are weak, are we not? Physically, spiritually, from time to time, we all have those times when it's more than we can handle, it's more than we can carry. So that physically or mentally or emotionally or, or even spiritually, we can be exhausted. And it's encouraging that God doesn't, in these times, that God doesn't confront us about our weakness. He doesn't condemn us in our weakness. Rather, watch this, He sends the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness. God doesn't say, shame on you, you should know better. Shame on you, you should do better. But rather, the Holy Spirit of God comes alongside us to say, here, let me help you with that. Now, the next thing which you see is that our weakness extends to our prayer lives. In this context, look at the verse again. In this context, the word weakness is connected to our inability to pray intelligently about a situation. Paul says, for we, uh, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. That is especially true in crisis times. Paul's not talking about the method of praying or the technique of praying. He's saying, I, Paul is not saying, I don't know how to pray. That's not what he's saying. Paul is talking about the content. Sometimes we literally don't know what to say. Just the other night, it might have been last night, last night or night before last, we were at the dinner table and I was saying the blessing and in the middle of saying the blessing... I wanted to pray for the people of Afghanistan. And all I could say was, God, I don't even know how to pray for the people of Afghanistan right now. 
I don't even know how to pray for them. And can I tell you three reasons why sometimes we don't know how to pray? Number one, we don't know the will of the Father. I want to pray in accordance with God's will. I want to pray according to God's will. And sometimes it's hard for me to pray about a situation because I don't know the will of the Father. And number two, we don't know the answer. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to ask for. That's what I'm saying. There's sometimes it's like, I don't even know what to ask him to do. I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Or number three, and this is where I was, or where I am perhaps, we're overwhelmed by the problem. Just absolutely overwhelmed. But can I tell you something about all, the, all three of these? Can you look up here for a moment? We don't know the will of the Father, but the Holy Spirit does. We don't know the answer, but the Holy Spirit does. We may be overwhelmed by the problem, but the Holy Spirit never is. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for. Now, I want to point out something to you. Look at your Bibles again, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us. I want you to see this phrase, helps us, it implies that the Holy Spirit doesn't do everything and we just get to sit back and do nothing. In, in other words, sometimes people say, well, I don't even know why I need to pray. If the Holy Spirit's going to pray for me, why do I need to pray? Now, this is not an encouragement to stop praying. This is not an, that would be in contradiction to, to James 4.2 and it would be uh, in contradiction to Philippians 4, 6. It would be in contradiction to all the things that Jesus taught us about praying. So if you're struggling in an area, don't just throw up your hands and say, well, well, I don't even need to pray because the Spirit of God's going to pray for me. No, it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit prays and you get to sit down. It says the Holy Spirit prays and He helps us. There are times that the Spirit of God will come alongside and say, here, let me help you with that. But you've got to hold one in too, right? Let me help you carry that. But you don't turn loose of it. You keep praying. Now, number two, the Holy Spirit intercedes deeply for us. Let's go a little further with this now. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself. If you mark your Bible, would you underline that? The Spirit Himself. He doesn't just say the Spirit. Paul is making a point here. And he could have left out the word Himself. He could have written it this way. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us. That would have made plenty of sense. But that's not what he said. He put the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. I want to underline in your heart and mind that the Spirit of God who lives within you is our prayer partner. Now, I'm privileged that I have, I think it's over 30 prayer partners. Men and women who pray for me on a daily basis. Uh, we send them out a prayer calendar. In fact, Lord just hung it on my door today. Next month's prayer calendar is hanging on my door right now. And we're going to send it out to our prayer partners. And I, I've got deacons who pray for me on a daily basis. I am blessed and privileged to have that many prayer partners. But may I say to you, you may not have that many prayer partners, but you've got a prayer partner in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who lives within us, is our prayer partner. 
Now, let me ask you this. Do you have, you don't have, I don't want you to tell me who, but do you have anybody, humanly speaking, who is like, man, this is my prayer partner. I've got a prayer partner. Uh, you've got a friend. You've got a parent or a grandparent. Do you have a prayer partner? Anybody just raise your hand and say, yeah, I've got, I'm not going to ask you who it is, but you've got somebody that you kind of turn to. All right? So a lot of you do. It's a wonderful thing to have prayer partners. It's a wonderful thing to have somebody you can share your burdens with. But I want you to remember that when life is at its darkest, listen to this, you have a supernatural prayer partner who has prayed with you and for you. Look at the text, and I want to tell you something really important. And we know that it, I'm sorry, verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Now, the next thing I want you to see is that the Spirit of God intercedes for us on an emotional level because it says the Spirit of Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That is, there are times when the Spirit of God is praying for you that He is using groans that words could never express. Now, of course, there have been a lot of debate about what this means. And one of the reasons it's hard to determine what it means is because this is the only place you see it in the Bible. It's not like, well, we've got a reference in the Old Testament or we've got this reference later in the New Testament. Uh, this is the only place that this appears in the Bible. And so there is great debate about what this means because we don't have anything to compare it to. Let me tell you, first of all, what it does not mean. Sometimes to understand what something does mean, you have to understand what it does not mean. So let me tell you what it does not mean. This has nothing to do with praying in tongues, as some would suggest. Some people would use this verse to say, see, this, there it is, that the Holy Spirit of God prays with groans, with words that, uh, that words could not express. And they say, that's, that's prayer language, that's praying in tongues, and that is taking that verse out of context, that is not what that verse is talking about. And here's the reason I say that. The groaning here is not done, if I'm reading it correctly, the groaning here is not done by the person praying. But the groaning is done by the Holy Spirit of God. Look at it again and make sure I'm reading this correctly. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us, and it is the Spirit Himself who is groaning with words that, that words cannot express. So the groaning here is not a believer speaking in this unintelligible language. This is the Holy Spirit of God groaning and, and speaking to the Father on our behalf. So that's what it does not mean, speaking in tongues. So let me tell you what I think it does mean. I believe it means that the Holy Spirit of God talks to the Father on our behalf in a way that you and I could never do. Let me say that one more time. The Holy Spirit speaks to the Heavenly Father on our behalf in a way that we could never do. He speaks with groans that words cannot express. In other words, what the Holy Spirit says to the Father and the way He communicates to the Father is not with human words. He speaks to the Father. He intercedes on our behalf in a way that you and I could never do. David Jeremiah said, 
or let me say this when David Jeremiah said that there were no words that could come out of his mouth those are the kind of times when the Holy Spirit of God begins to intercede on our behalf when we're so worried and hurried and pressured and sick or tired or weary when we know there's something wrong but we can't fix it when, when we know we need to ask God for something, but we're not sure what to ask for. When we're so overcome with emotion or worry or fear or heartache that we can't seem to put into words what we're feeling. Then those times, the Spirit of God begins to pray to the Heavenly Father on your behalf. I say to you that if we ever get a hold of that, we will understand in a deeper way we really do matter to God. Your life matters to God. Your problems matter to God. Your heartache matters to God. Your struggles matter to God. You matter to Him. Spirit Himself intercedes for us on an emotional level in those times when we're hurting so bad that words won't even come out of our mouth. Spirit of God loves you so much. Heavenly Father loves you so much. They're having a conversation about you when you can't speak a word. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, I, I can't even say anything. I'm so broken. I'm so messed up. I can't even say anything. And God says, let me help you with that. The Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father have a conversation about you. Because you matter. You matter to Him. Then the third thing I want you to see is this, that the Holy Spirit intercedes according to God's will. Verse 27 in some ways may be the best news of all when you read these verses. Verse 27 says this, And he who searches our hearts, that is nothing is hidden from God. God knows your heart. And can I say also he knows your heartache? And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I've underlined that in my study Bible. The Spirit intercedes for the saints, that's you, in accordance with God's will. In other words, whenever the Holy Spirit of God is praying on your behalf, He's always praying in harmony with God's will. God's will for your life. I confess to you that I know that I have prayed for things in the years past that I probably should not have prayed for. 
I don't know if you'd be honest enough to admit that. You know, I've asked for things that I didn't need. I've asked for things that, God, would you do this? And God said, no, because if I do what you want me to do, it's, it's not going to turn out the way you think it will. In fact, I'm going to do just the opposite because you don't know what you're asking. My motives were good, but my knowledge was limited. I, I, don't, know if, I don't know why this has been on my mind, but maybe it's going to help somebody because it's been on my mind throughout this afternoon. I remember, just as an illustration, I remember when I was, it was either senior year in high school or first year in college, I got it in my mind that I needed a new car. Maybe I should say it this way, I selfishly wanted a new car. And, and I remember being on a date and taking this, this young lady looking for cars. And we, I remember, it was in Johnson City. I remember the car lot. The car was a baby blue. I don't, remember, I don't remember what kind it was, but I was convinced I needed that car. And so I went home and told my mom and dad, I need that car. You, you all need to buy me that car. Mom and dad had never bought me a car like that, especially not a new car. I had a car that they, they bought for me, but it was a used car. They, they had never... But I was convinced in my mind, and I asked them, would you buy me this car? And I remember Dad said, Keith, we can't afford to buy you a brand new car. We're trying to put you through college. Now, looking back on it now, it was like, what was I thinking? I had no clue. And sometimes I think we do that with God. God, I got it in my mind. I really need this. And I really want this. And here's my, you know, I, here's, here's my list. And I'm just bringing it and asking. And, I'm, you know, we, we go through all the whole things. You're, I mean, you, some of you, you probably have had kids who have done that to you or grandkids who have done that to you, right? And you said no because you knew they didn't know what they were asking for. They were convinced they needed it, but you knew better. We all have that problem, I think, sometimes in our prayer lives, and, and we have two problems. Number one, our perspective is tainted by selfishness. Sometimes we pray for the wrong thing because our, our perspective is tainted by selfishness. Listen, you know, you, do you, can I tell you the reason that I was asking my parents for that car? Because my perspective was tainted by selfishness. I didn't care how much money mom and dad had. I didn't care that they were trying to put me through college. I didn't care what... I, all I knew was I wanted that shiny blue car. My perspective. And I remember, listen, there were not many times I got mad at my parents. That was one time I literally got mad at my parents because they would not buy me that new car. My perspective was tainted by selfishness. Now, I've given you that, that illustration to say, sometimes, if you're not careful, you'll do the same thing with God. You're going to get mad at God for not answering a prayer. I may say this Sunday, but let me go ahead and say it now. Some of you are going to get mad at God for not keeping a promise He never made. 
and our perspective is tainted by selfishness. I don't always know God's will. I might think I know God's will. One of the reasons I struggle sometimes in prayer, my perspective is tainted by selfishness. Number two, our vision is limited. Can I, can I say it to you this way? This is true for you and it's true for me. We only see a tiny fraction of what's happening in the universe. Right? I mean, we just, we just see a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what's happening in the universe. In fact, there's a verse, uh, I think we're going to put it on the screen. Ecclesiastes 6.12 says, For who knows what is good for a man in life during the few and meaningless days he passes through like a shadow? Who knows what's good? None of us know, really, what's good for a person. We think we know, but our vision is so limited. We don't know what God, what, what is good for us ultimately, but God does. And that's why it says in verse 27, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Look at verse 27 in the Living Bible. It says, And the Father who knows all hearts knows, of course, what the Spirit is saying as He pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. I love that phrase. That the Spirit of God, when He prays, He's praying, pleading on our behalf in harmony with God's own will. The intimacy between the Holy Spirit of God and God the Heavenly Father, that intimacy leads to harmony praying in God's will. Now, I want to close by looking at verse 27, a phrase that I want you to see before we close. Verse 27. For he who... What's those next three words in the NIV? For he who... What? Searches our hearts. Mark that. Occasionally, when we have prayer meeting like this, when I ask for prayer requests, I'll say, are there any unspoken requests? And, and you raise your hand, and we, we do that. Lots of hands usually go up. When you say, are there any unspoken requests? Usually about at least half the crowd is going to raise their hand. Because unspoken prayer requests are those things that are so close to our hearts that we can't mention them in public. They're so deep and so personal and so private and sometimes so painful that we can't mention them in, in, in uh, public. But can I remind you, if I'm reading verse 27 correctly, there are no unspoken requests with your Heavenly Father. There is no such thing as an unspoken request with your Heavenly Father. And what I mean by that is... Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And one of the reasons I say He knows is because it says in verse 27, He searches our hearts. Which reminds me of Psalm 62.8. Pour out your hearts to Him. The psalmist says. But God is our refuge. Sometimes you just got to do that, right? Sometimes you pour out your heart to Him. Understanding that your perspective is tainted by selfishness. Understanding that your vision is limited and you don't know it all, but you pour out your heart with him, to Him. 
believing that the Spirit of God will intercede on your behalf. And I love this. And He will intercede in accordance or in harmony with the will of God. That's beautiful. The Spirit of God is praying in harmony with the will of God. And if you understand those two verses, then you're ready to understand verse 28. We're not going to get to verse 28 tonight. Those two verses are critical. The critical context to understanding the promise of verse 28. So let me pray with you before we leave. Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit that it is the Holy Spirit of God that when life is more than we can handle when the load is heavier than we can bear that the Spirit of God comes alongside beside us to say let me help you with that And in our darkest moments when we can't even say words to you in prayer you by your Holy Spirit meet our needs search our hearts and the spirit intercedes on our behalf when we can't say anything thank you for reminding us tonight we matter to you in those times when we can't even talk to you hold us even tighter We're grateful for your loving concern. We're grateful for the role of the Holy Spirit. We're grateful for the privilege of prayer. It's in the name of Jesus I pray.